begins at the house of God a reminder of judgment and repentance before the Feast of Redemption. It's interesting that our tradition decrees that the Haftorah from Malachi that we just read today, that was read to us so ably by Amy Millinson, that that Haftorah is read on Shabbat Hagadol, that's today, the Shabbat that comes just before Pesach, which joins us tonight. And we saw in this Haftorah that God speaks to the priests about judgment. He speaks about righteousness. And it's, it's proper that before we go into the Feast of Redemption, that we realize how much of in need of redemption we are and how merciful God has been to us to grant us redemption despite our many sins. So this is a, uh, a characteristically brilliant insight of our sages. And we're going to be looking today at three re realities to focus on as we enter the Feast of Redemption. First of all, the first reality is a goal, and that is this, fitting worship and honor to the ever-living God of Israel. That's the goal. We're going to see that reiterated right at the beginning of our Haftarah. And when God spoke to Moshe, he told Moshe, let my people go to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Why? That they might worship me. God wants his people to worship him. He didn't set us free from Egypt to go run and play. We did that at the foot of Mount Sinai, and that did not turn out too hot. He set us free that we might worship him. He set us free that he might, he says, and I brought you unto me. So we find that in the Haftorah. Then it begins this way. Then the offering of Yehuda and Yerushalayim will be pleasing to Adonai, as it was in the days of old and as in the years gone by. So the first of the three realities we're going to be looking at today is this goal, the goal of restored worship, which is well-deserving to Adonai. The second is a problem, judgment upon an oblivious people. The priests were supposed to set an example for the rest of the nation. They were supposed to model the kind of devotion and focus that God requires of all of us. But as we saw from our Haftarah, they got away from that, and so did the people. So first we have a goal, the restoration of appropriate worship to the living God. Secondly, besides a goal, we have a problem, judgment upon an oblivious people. And finally, we have a promise, lavish blessings upon those who repent. So that's what we're going to be looking at today, a goal, a problem, and a promise. Let's look at the problem. 
reasons for judgment. What do these have in common? And this comes right from very early in our Haftarah. He says, then I will approach you for judgment. And I'll be quick to witness, he mentioned seven things, against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who take advantage of wage owners, widows, and orphans, and against those who rob the foreigner of his right, rights and do not fear me, to the other nights of old. Now, what do these sins have in common? They're all social sins. Uh, sorcerers are people who use sorcery uh, often in order to come against their enemies. Adulterers are people who sin against others in the adulterous act. Perjurers are people who sin against others in a court of law. And those who take advantage of wage earners, of widows and orphans, and against those who rob the foreigner of his rights and don't fear me. The problem of reasons for judgment is number one, this kind of social unrighteousness, this kind of social iniquity. And then secondly, a pattern of turning away from Torah, turning away not just from the five books of Moses, although foundationally it's the five books of Moses, but I'm using the word Torah more broadly to speak of God's authoritative guidance. We turn away from it. He says, but because I, Adonai, do not change, you, sons of Yaakov, will not be destroyed. Since the days of your forefathers, you have turned from my laws and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says Adonai Tzavot. So, Houston, we have a problem. What does repentance mean? Repentance involves two things that are highlighted in this uh, uh, Haftarah. First, a turning away from social unrighteousness. We must turn away from the evil ways, self-serving ways, selfish ways that we serve, that we uh, treat people, and the ways in which we fail to serve them as God desires. We need to turn away from this social unrighteousness. And secondly, we need to turn back to obedience to God. That's what repentance is for Malachi. That's what repentance is for you. That's what repentance is for me. But back to the problem of judgment. Judgment comes to take us down, to take us down from our high horse, from our pedestal, from our, 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 our unrealistic conception of ourselves. It comes to take us down as a consequence of our wicked deeds. It comes to take us down because of our indifference to those for whom God holds us responsible. The poor are our responsibility. The widows and the orphans are our responsibility. The foreigners among us who may be suffering are our responsibility, not because I say so, not because a political, a particular political party says so, because God's instruction says so. So judgment comes to take us down a notch, maybe many notches, 
as a because it's a consequence of our wicked deeds, of our indifference to those for whom God holds us responsible and whom we instead victimize. But not only does it come to take us down, judgment is reparative judgment. It's not simply to punish us, it's to instruct us. It comes to wake us up. It comes to wake up an oblivious people because we have oblivious leaders. And we see this oblivious leadership because they have all these who me questions that they ask God. When God confronts them, they say, who, us? What? What? What are you talking about? Sin? Us? What? Huh? Huh? These who me questions from people who should know better. Judgment comes to wake these people up and say, yes, you. Let's look at some of those who me questions from those who should know better. We find them sprinkled in a haftarah. I pull them out here for you to look at. You ask, in what respect are we supposed to return? And God says, can a, can a person rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, who? Us? How have we robbed you? These priests just know. It's just, they're supposed to be the instructors of Israel. Not only the instructors, but they're supposed to be the, the, the mentors and the, the paradigms, the examples, the exemplars. That's the word I'm looking for. The exemplars. And yet they're saying, who? Us? What? Return? Us? They say again, he says, you have spoken strongly against me, says Adonai. Yet you say, who? Us? What? What? How have we spoken against you? By saying, there's no point in serving God. What good is it to obey his orders or to walk about as mourners before Adonai Tzavod? These leaders of Israel had gotten bored with it all, bored with their privilege, presumptuous about it, and now they're, they're, they're complaining. And yet they say, who? Us? What? But God still promises lavish blessings upon those who repent. It says here in our Haftorah reading, then those who feared Adonai spoke together, and Adonai listened and heard. A record book was written in his presence for those who feared Adonai and had respect for his name. That's what it takes to repent, respect for God. They will be mine, says Adonai Tzavod, on the day when I compose my special treasure. There are lavish blessings for those who repent. He says, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then once again, you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. They've grown blind to the difference. They've grown dull of heart. You will see the difference between the person who serves God and the one who doesn't serve him. So judgment comes to uh, repair us. Judgment is not a negative thing. It's a very good thing. So what are they called to do? In shorthand, Malachi tells us, he says, remember Torah, God's guidance. Align yourself with Torah. That's number one. Number two, 
Remember your core relationships. Straighten them out. Let me show you where Malachi says this. First, about God's guidance. Right at the end of the Haftorah, strongly, when Eliyahu comes, he's going to cause people to do something. Remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant, which I enjoined on him at Chorev. Laws and rulings for all Israel. Look, I will send you Eliyahu the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of Adonai. So first, remember the Torah. Remember it in order to keep it. This kind of remembrance in the scripture is not just recalling it. It is, may it register with you again. And secondly, there's the social aspect. First is the Torah aspect, then there's the social aspect. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with complete destruction. This is powerful. Of all relationships that should be straight and, and, and healthy, it's the relationship between fathers or daughters and their parents, their fathers or mothers, uh, the, the children with their parents, the parents with their children. But one of the signs of societal decay, of, of wandering from the paths of God, of becoming deaf to his Torah, of neglecting our relational responsibilities, which is at the heart of repentance. Remember those seven categories. They were all relational responsibilities. One of the signs of that is a deterioration between the relationship between children and their parents and parents and their children. But Eliyahu will come to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with complete destruction. So we look today at three realities to focus on as we come to celebrate our redemption, which is something to celebrate. We've seen a goal. The goal is fitting worship and honor to the ever-living God of Israel. Then we've seen a problem, the problem of judgment upon an oblivious people. We will read tonight in the Haggadah about the wicked son. There's four children that are spoken of. And the wicked son is the one who just can't be bothered with all this. He thinks it doesn't apply to him. Yes, it does. It applies to me. It applies to you. It applies to all of us. We have a problem. God's judgment upon an oblivious people. And we have a promise of lavish blessings to those who repent. I want to finish with a quote from one of our greatest leaders, Abraham Joshua Heschel, Abraham Joshua Heschel one of the most quotable Jews who ever lived. He says this, a religious man or woman is a person who holds God and man in one thought at one time at all times. Let's read that again. A religious man or woman is a person who holds God and man in one thought at one time at all times, who suffers harm done to others, whose greatest passion 
is compassion, and whose greatest strength is love and defiance of despair. You can't have a good relationship with God and a bad relationship with people. You can't. John tells us that if someone says he loves God and he hates his brother, he's a liar. It doesn't work that way. So you can't have a good relationship with God at Passover or any other time if you've neglected your relationship with people. And you can't have a good relationship with God if his commandments and his righteousness don't really matter to you. All that matters is redemption. No, 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 no. God redeemed the children of Israel, and then he gave them his Torah. He wants us to obey his instruction, to be instructed by him, to order our lives by his paths. So remember Moses and the law which God gave him at Sinai, at Horeth. And remember that God says that he comes through his servant Eliyahu to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, to turn the hearts of all of us to the, to the people who suffer at the hands of sorcerers and perjurers, people who are orphans and widows, people who are the foreigners among us, people who are victimized. We can't be indifferent to them. So may our hearts be turned to the law of God and to the needs of people. And in that, we can expect lavish blessing. Let's pray for a moment. What can we say about your word, Father? It is by far the richest book that our eyes have ever laid hands upon have ever laid eyes on. And your word is like a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. Your word gets right to the core of us. And your spirit uses that word. I pray, O oh God, that you'd help me, a sinful man, to walk in your paths, and to walk in righteous relationship with the people around me. And I pray that for my sisters and my brothers. But most of all, we all thank you for your lavish mercy to us. Not only redeeming us, giving us your word that we might walk in your paths. We honor you and we bless you. And we thank you in Messiah's name. Amen. Okay, my friends.